Hello, welcome to the Medical Consulting Group podcast. Today we're talking about how practices can effectively manage coding and reimbursement. I'm your host, Fielding. Let's get started. Joining me today are guests from Corcoran Consulting Group. I'm going to go around the room and have each of you please introduce yourself. Brandy, I'll start with you. Thank you, Fielding. So my name is Brandy Sperry. I'm a uh, consultant with Corcoran Consulting Group. Um, it's very nice to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Awesome. Great to have you. Mary Pat. Hi, Fielding. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, my name is Mary Pat Johnson, and I'm also a consultant with Corcoran. And finally, Kevin Corcoran. I'm Kevin Corcoran. I'm a consultant with Corcoran Consulting Group and a co-founder of the company. And it's a pleasure to join you for this podcast. Thank you all for joining me again. We had a great episode last time and we're going to have another one today. So let's get right into it. Managing coding and reimbursement changes. Reimbursement changes happen all the time to providers, quickly and often. How can practices keep up? Brandy, what resources and tools are available to practices out there to help manage all these changes? Now, that's a great question, Fielding. So there's a lot of available information in newsletters, websites, webinars, and formal announcements. Uh, what practices can do is create an electronic library so that on, say, like a shared file where everybody has access to that, they need to designate somebody to take the lead on collecting all of that information and kind of organizing it and downloading it into that file. Um, we also recommend that you buy all of your necessary manuals, so your CPT manuals, your ICD-10 manuals, and your HICS-PICS manuals because they all come out every year. And only use trusted sources, so don't rely on um, you know, gossip or hearsay, because there's a lot of things that go around that are not correct. Yeah, and with, you know, so you, you um, recommend having kind of a point person that is responsible. You know, there's probably so many updates that that might be a full-time job in and of itself. It probably would be, but to have one person keeps all of that organized and keeps a lot of other stuff that doesn't need to be there in the, yeah. in the file. So maybe bookmarking some websites that you trust subscribing to certain newsletters that are credible, and then kind of having someone organize that for the team to be able to access at any time. Exactly, yes. Mary Pat, talk to, talk to me about 2024 and um, what coding and reimbursement updates you see coming down the pipeline. What are going to impact the practices the most? What are the big ones? So for coding changes, it's a little early to tell. We don't have the 2024 CPT book quite yet. Uh, we do have some anticipated changes for reimbursement. So a couple of uh, ways to look at it. Physician reimbursement, at least in the preliminary numbers from Medicare, not terribly favorable. Some codes go up a bit, some go down. Uh, preliminary ASC numbers are a little better. Uh, we do expect final numbers around Thanksgiving, maybe early December, cross your fingers, <laughs> we'll have final fee schedule numbers. For now, we don't anticipate big changes in reimbursement for the physicians. Uh, the third vantage point from which we should look at this is the patient side. So a lot of these patients who are not on Medicare, covered maybe through an employee or employer insurance plan, are seeing large increases to their premiums, large increases to deductibles. Sometimes we're hearing 9 or 10%. This could change the way your practice management team has to work. 
Um, the revenue cycle folks may see more denials. They may see uh, increased collections because patients are not anticipating or not prepared for these out-of-pocket costs. So watch your accounts receivable very carefully here. Watch the revenue cycle activities for an uptick in those collection problems. And there are resources for that. If your management team or your building collections team needs help, I know the folks at um, Medical Consulting Group might be able to assist here. So if anyone of the listeners feels they need assistance in that area, perhaps reach out to Aaron Malloy or Rob McCarville, because your building staff may not be equipped or staffed to handle big changes in collections. Yeah, and I think that you know outsourcing this work is not uncommon, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think we're seeing more of it, yeah. Talk about, you know, artificial intelligence has been in the news a lot lately, and there's going to be a motivation there to use it um, as quickly as they can to shortcut some work. Talk about how that might pose a risk in the coding and reimbursement world. Well, we've seen a little bit of that already. In some electronic medical record systems, there are coding engines that will extract from the chart documentation and try to assign a code. If you're using that, proceed with caution. It doesn't necessarily interpret the documentation to the correct code. Um, there may be more of it on the back end as well in the billing office after the claim has been submitted. Some of these systems now have artificial intelligence uh, making decisions as to which claims to refile as they were initially filed, which to change, what changes to make. All of that may be uh, expedient and efficient, but I'd, I'd watch carefully to make sure we're not compromising the accuracy of the claim. Right, because there's kind of a white glove approach with claims these days because there's so much that can go wrong. And so you have to really be careful relying on um, someone who's not a, a person and a professional. Exactly. And some of, some of the information that goes on a claim is not black and white. It takes some medical judgment. And a computer may not be able to assess what those diagnosis codes mean or the difference between the two CPT codes. So I can see how they could get uh, assigned inappropriately. You know, in, in my world, working with websites, um, one of the things that I've seen just in the last few months with artificial intelligence is people using it to create new content on their website. And one of the risks we're seeing is Google is dropping their rankings once they catch on. So Google's AI is able to read the AI content that you're creating using ChatGPT. So that's an example of people getting in trouble trying to use AI to drive their business. So while it is likely, you know, going to be a revolutionary tool in the future, we're in a stage where we really have to be careful how we use it, um, especially in healthcare. And another thing can I wanna, that I want to no, just bring up is that if you have any issues with, you know, needing some training on the proper E&M codes or the proper iCodes to use, different guidelines, we can definitely help you at Corcoran Consulting Group with that training as well. We can do those web by webinar or we can do those in person. Awesome. Kevin, let's talk a bit about ASCs. What changes do you anticipate in the coming year or so? The proposed rule that came out in the middle of summer from CMS indicated a increase in Medicare reimbursement rates for ambulatory surgery centers that was on the order of magnitude of about 5%. Now that's a proposal, it's not finalized, but that was received positively by the industry. They, they like it, as you can well imagine. Uh, so if we get to November or December and the final rule gets published with those rates, I would imagine nobody's going to object 
they, they will accept them and move forward. Increasingly, uh, there is a higher and higher percentage of cases, especially for Medicare patients, that are done in ambulatory surgery centers. So volume is growing. Uh, years ago, we used to say it was about 75% of all uh, surgeries were done in an ASC rather than a hospital. That number has moved up. Uh, it's probably closer to 85% these days. Uh, so volume is increasing. Uh, the other piece that's uh, happening is there's been problems with collateral services. Anesthesia is one of those. That's proving to be both controversial and problematic to operating an ASC. So people are experiencing headaches with anesthesia services and they'll be looking for ways to address that going forward. forward one of them is modern cons conscious sedation. Corporate Consulting Group is very interested in this topic and, and hopefully in the future we'll have something for clients on that topic. That sounds like an interesting topic. I've never heard that term. Well, it has to do with how much anesthesia you give the patient. Uh, so in the, in the old days, we knocked the patient out under general anesthesia and woke them up when the case was over. Today, we're more interested in providing instructions to the patient during the case, actually conversing with the patient. Moderate conscious sedation means we don't knock them out entirely. We just lower their anxiety. We reduce some of their sensitivity to pain. We don't go through the same degree of anesthesia that we used to use. So it's attractive to surgeons, particularly for procedures that occur in an ambulatory surgery center, uh, and it may be an alternative to a heavier sedation uh, that we formerly used. Gotcha. Uh, you know, you mentioned the 5% um, reimbursement rate that they're considering. That seems high to me. Is that high? Like, in a good way? Uh, Fielding, you have it exactly right. It's, it's a little higher than we might have expected. 2 3% is more typical. This is 5 uh, number three, or no, excuse me, number two, uh, that's unexpected. I wouldn't have guessed that it would be that good. Uh, and of course, it's not uniform across the board. It's, it varies with procedures. But the ones that ophthalmologists tend to be interested in are getting a big bump. In the glaucoma area, the step procedures are getting a very big bump. So this is well received by the industry. I hope it sticks in the final rule. I'm sure we, uh, I can speak for everyone here that we also hope that it sticks. Coding and reimbursements are constant challenges for providers. But as our guests today have mentioned, those who stay on top of updates, utilize available resources, and ultimately have a plan in place to stay current will be positioned for success. And with that, we'll close out this episode. Thank you, Kevin, Brandy, and Mary Pat. We appreciate your valuable insights. And thank you for listening. We hope you learned something today. Till next time.